Howdy, howdy, howdy. Howdy, how's it going? Hey, you know, it's going. Are you tweeting? Is this you? It is. Okay. What is this picture? It's a Hulu. Okay. What was that to do with that cannon? Nothing. Okay. Hmm. All right. <laughs> Anything else you'd like to share? Another thing. How are you doing? I'm hanging in there. Yeah? Yeah. Hanging? Mm-hmm. How's your Star Wars game? Oh, we'll get to that in, in due time. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Should we begin the fun? Why don't we? That's a mighty big white claw you have. Is that two-fister? Yeah, you need fist. both hands to work that shaft. <laughs> it's my shake weight. Mm-hmm. Booze. A minor amount of booze. Right. This is uh, not quite a lightsaber hilt length, right? No. Anyway, let's do this. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Headcanon. I'm James. And I'm Marco Sparks. Are you? Mm-hmm. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. We're back. Yeah. So soon. So soon. Yeah. This might be the last one we do for a little while because I'm going to be traveling for work. Uh, we're doing The Abyss today, the 1989, 87. I can't 89. remember. 89. Yeah. 1989 film. Uh, your favorite movie? That's not true, but it is a movie I like. Where is this in your top 10? It's not in the top 10. Your top 20? Mm, probably not top 20. What the fuck are we doing here then? <laughs> Did you not like the movie? It was fine. Hmm, it was fine. Okay. Hmm. All right. Well, we will get to The Abyss, directed by James Cameron in a moment. But first, Marco, hmm. what are you watching lately? Fuck, what am I watching? Um. After we recorded last, I went home and I flipped on something on Netflix. I ended up watching all of... Phoebe Waller-Bridge is crashing in one night. That was weird. Mm, Never yeah. watched an entire season of a show at one time. Yeah, I don't have Netflix. Wow. I really hope that plays. Just committing to the bit, man. Wherever you go. Mm-hmm. When strangers give you mysterious brownies in public, do you, do you also respond to that? Oh, thank you. I don't have Netflix. Only if it's appropriate to the conversation. Okay. Do you say it anytime the word Netflix comes up? Not necessarily. Okay. Like if I said Netflix like 10 times, would you say I don't have Netflix 10 times? I mean, if you mention it 10 times, I might just mention, oh, I like it's like Netflix. your like Manchurian candidate trigger. <laughs> but what is crashing about? Um, it's about apparently there's a thing in England or the United Kingdom where if they have like a hospital that's not being used. They will rent it out like an apartment building to people for low rent to maintain the space. Sure. And it's a bunch of like horny young people who move in and there's... Is this like an older Phoebe Waller-Bridge? Probably a couple years before Fleabag, Mm -hmm. if that. And it's like like young people sexual hijinks. Like... That's like your jam, pretty much. Extra thirsty Like UK skins type of stuff. I wouldn't say these are anything remotely similar. No? No. I've probably watched more dumb. Is it more of a comedy than? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I've probably watched more dumb UK detective shows than I've ever watched, like UK sex jams. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then I watched the end of those crisis episodes of those DCCW shows because I guess I was fucking curious and I had no nothing but time in my life. Man, those that shows are bad. Those shows are bad. But I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, surprised and good for them on the uh, effort. Of like cramming in a lot of lot of bullshit. I guess it seems like they're having fun. I don't know. 
I stopped watching two or three years ago. It was just, it was too much. It was like five shows a week or something. It seemed yeah, like, it was and, like five. Shows. Yeah, it's, there might be six now because there was like five shows in the crossover, and then the Black Lightning was in it, but not yeah. his show. I mean, I I appreciate how like woke they are. I just wish they were of a higher caliber of TV. I mean, at least you could say that unlike the DC movies, they're having fun and, you know, they're enjoying their pulpiness. Well, I think you and I were talking on our last road trip about all the dumbass things that they could cameo in that. I honestly did not expect Ezra Miller to show up. <laughs> I guess he seems like the most gettable, like maybe maybe Zachary Levi. Well, like, um, well, but it's I, the did flash. See, I did it's see the flash being the flash. It, I, I did see the clip and it kind of seemed like maybe they weren't in the same room when they filmed it. So apparently they were. Here's the really? crazy part. They had like wrapped on these episodes like a long time. Before. Right. Right. Yeah. And then it was just like they got the call and it's like the head of WB like, hey, can you squeeze in uh, uh, Ezra Miller? And they're like, uh, sure, whatever. We'll make it happen. They're like, we, we just want to make sure that we film it in such a way that people think the actors aren't in the same room. Well, it like it extra has that thing where like Vaseline is like rubbed. Well, it's like cutting back and forth, yeah. like like one angle, there's, the there's, other there's angle. There's one two yeah. shot. Yeah. But it's not like an over the shoulder shot. It's like just one person in frame. Then the other I, person in frame. It's very bizarre. I wonder if that was like mandated. Like they can only be on screen together for like 10 seconds. Who even knows? I, I feel like that was some WV boss being like, Hey, theoretically we're, we're still making the flash, even though it's been like years and years since we, you've seen this character. Let's remind people that Ezra Miller is still the flash. Well, but we also recast him yet. this is so dumb. I don't know why I remember this, but the day that the flash TV show premiered was the day they announced the casting yeah. of Ezra Miller. So I kind of feel like, who has yet to be in a Flash movie. Well, I kind yeah. of feel like, yeah, you owe us, buddy. <laughs> what is it? Season six of The Flash now? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, what else have I been watching? Good Places Back. If I've been watching something else, I've forgotten. Mm-hmm. I've been uh, I've been rewatching a little bit of The Office. Why do you say that like you're embarrassed? Because I feel like I rewatched The Office like a year ago and it seems... Really? I think I did it because I didn't know if I'm really going to get Peacock. Hmm. I guess so, I've never really been into the like rewatching sitcom stuff as much. I don't know. I think it started with I was like, what is something that I've seen before that won't challenge me that I'm going to put on while I'm eating something? And then it was like, I probably filled I that, that for time a different for meals. me with like podcasts, I guess. I don't know if I could like listen to a podcast while I'm eating. Speak louder. I don't know if I could listen to a podcast while I'm eating. Why not? I don't know. It just. Does the sound of your own voice make you uncomfortable? Do you listen to your own podcast while eating? I mean, if it happens to be next in the queue. Wow. Okay. You don't listen to any of our podcasts, though. So. <laughs> Have you heard our podcasts? <laughs> uh, I don't like the sound of my own voice. So, yeah, there you go. Hmm. I'm I'm like Adam Driver when mm-hmm. you make me watch sure. a clip of myself. Sure. You're, you're just like Adam Driver. I'm just like Adam Driver. You're like, I, my performance speaks for itself. I, I'll give it. I don't, sick if I I don't think that's myself. what was going on with Adam Driver. I, um, it's a shame that you wouldn't insinuate that. Hmm. What have you been watching? Uh, nothing. I've just been playing video games. I finally finished Borderlands 3. Cool. I moved on to Jedi Fallen Order. That is great. It really is. It's okay. I don't, I don't think the gameplay is very good. Um, I got sick of the uh, bad controls eventually and just turned the difficulty down to like nothing. Just because... Uh, life is short and i don't have time to like keep trying to beat the same like bosses over and over again so i feel like i watched you play for what like 20 minutes there mm-hmm. i feel like the one dude hit 
your character in the face multiple times and then like you jumped into flames several uh-huh, times uh-huh. and i kept thinking like shouldn't outer space archie just be fucked up not when you turn the difficulty all the way down like his cheek is just like melting off onto his shoulder on this mm. little droid yeah. anyway that's all i've been up to cool yeah cool cool, cool. you have uh, to pack anything what Do you have to pack anything for your trip um just your clothes just clothes and you know a couple Odds and ends. Odds and ends. Mm-hmm. Duffel bag full of heads. Why would I take that with me? <laughs> the parts for your lady suit? Yeah, I don't know. What are you listening to? Oh, man. I don't know if I've listened to anything really in a while. Um, I'm like... It's funny. It's like when I'm at when my office, I will turn on like long YouTube clips of music just to like get through the day or go back into something. And then whenever you ask me this question, I'm sorry, I always forget because I think like... Do you know that there's a place in my notes every time we do these where I put in what I'm listening to beforehand? Well, then put it in for me on your notes too mm-hmm. then. Jeez, dad. Um, but I always forget. So I always, for some reason, when you ask me, my thinking is always like, what have I been listening to at home? Uh, I listened to... The other day, I listened to Rumors by Fleetwood Mac over and over again. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because of Taiki Watiti? No, it, was, it might be the day before. I've been thinking about Rumors for like a week or two. <laughs> all right yeah uh i have been listening to the last stars album which i think is a couple of years old now which one is that uh but the one with like the stadium or whatever game. at night lights something about fluorescent lights let me get the exact title here uh there is no love in fluorescent light okay such a canadian album title mm-hmm. good old stars Anyway, what are you reading, if anything? Uh, I'm almost done with Sing, Unburied Sing by Jesmyn Ward, which is very good and very bleak. And uh, racism in America is bad, and it's been bad for a very long time. All right. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's one of the things where it's like, this book is really well written, but I wish it was over. Mm-hmm. Well, I finally finished The Secret Commonwealth earlier today. Read the last 30 pages. That book gets rather weird and bleak at the end. Cool. Cool. Curious to see where they're going with it in the last one. So like Lara's an adult now? She's like like 20-ish, I think, somewhere around there. Do you think... Will, the, will these books bleed into the show if it goes that long? I doubt the show's going that long. I don't think it's going to be a concern for the show. They definitely included a little bit in the pilot that was like not in the right. books, but from yeah. um, the uh, the Belle Sauvage. Mm-hmm. But I sincerely doubt that the show will last that long. I'm actually like wondering if they'll make it all the way through the Amber Spyglass. Maybe I didn't get to that part in the first one. Because when I left off, the boy still has her. Um. And it's like Asriel who has her bring her to the college at the start of the show. So does the boy mm-hmm. eventually hand her off to Asriel? Yes. Okay. Cool. Anyway, just finished that and uh, just, you know, skimming various uh, like fix it fanfics for episode nine, you know, just looking for uh, that sweet release. Man, they created to, like something a real to make it better. renaissance for that t- kind yeah. of thing now. This is where, like, some artists, it's like the moment to shine, just to flourish. Bring back our boy, Ben Solo. Some of Bring it's, back our, our girl, Ray. Some of it's, <laughs> some of it's uh, you know, kind of like happy and like, 
just kind of papering over all the the bullshit. Others is like really bleak, you know. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, oh, Ray's just been a like depressed, uh, you know, psycho for four years. Oh, like like after the yeah. end of the, <laughs> is this what you wanted, Disney? Mm-hmm. Is this what you fucking wanted, man? Like the uh, the little things coming out, like we finally got to see the spider on the baby's head. Oh, and the concept art, yeah. Right. Well, some of that concept art, the one image in particular, looks very real. <laughs> Like I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they actually did shoot it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they seemingly were just going around shooting a bunch of shit with no idea how they're going to fit it together. So, cool. always, always a good thing. Like, what's his name? Did in Rogue One? What did he call that? Oh, like he had some kind of it's like something hour. Yeah, yeah. It was just like I'm just gonna like go frame neat looking stuff that you can put in the trailer. No, it's not gonna be in the movie. Uh, big corporations love when you fucking do that. <laughs> Anywho, yeah, let's uh, let's not find what we hate and move on to the abyss. Cool. Do you want to go first? I'll go first, since clearly I like this movie. You did not. Spoilers, by the way. Uh, what a fun spoilers for this nineteen eighty nine movie. Yeah, just in case people haven't seen it, you hadn't seen it. It's true. Somehow, I don't know how. What a fun blast from the past. Uh, I used to watch this movie all the time when I was a kid. Probably haven't seen it in over a decade. Um, I used to say this is my favorite James Cameron movie. It's possible that T2 has overtaken it, but I still really like this movie. Such a unique setting and concept. I sort of love like the narrative constraints that the underwater location puts on the story. Like you have these heart limits to like communication, mobility, like survivability. Um, it reminds me a little bit of like old Michael Crichton stories where the science involved creates a kind of like mousetrap. Uh, that your characters and, and you are trying to like think away the array out of. Um, there's definitely some dated tropes on display here, and I think Cameron can get a little corny at times, but I feel like watching this movie really gives me an appreciation of uh, simple stories told well. Like having a character arc of an estranged husband and wife reconnecting during a life-threatening incident, it's pretty standard fare, but the movie commits to it. Like It's not embarrassed by the emotions it's going to mine. Um Maybe that's because there's so much masculine like action in sci-fi too. I don't know, but it seems like Cameron isn't afraid to wear his heart on his sleeve and the movie's better for it. Um, just on a technical level, some of the shots are still amazing. You read some of the uh, anecdotes about this movie in the production, like Ed Harris punching James Cameron out after a take because he almost drowned. And it's just like, wow, no shit. Uh, that's how you get some of those shots, I guess, being completely fucking insane. But uh yeah, it's a fun movie. It's a little bit of a film the time for God, as much as a James Cameron blockbuster can be. It's still not uh, available in HD. It's never been remastered or anything. Um, none of the cast who participated in it seemed to want to talk about it all. Like they all hated the experience. So cool. Uh, yeah, just the Wikipedia like production tab is fucking fascinating about <laughs> this. Um, Mary Elizabeth like gets walks away from one of the scene. So the point where spoiler Ed Harris's character is punching her in the face. Like she's like, I'm not going to be there for that. Punching her. He's slapping her. Sure. Um, So I was intrigued by the idea of like his girl Friday mixed with a little bit of aliens and some close encounters. And anytime you can make a joke, about let's get it wet. I appreciate it, especially after seeing star Wars that like plot wise it's like something happens which leads to something which leads to something and it and it it works it's not like hey we need to find the fucking thing to go find the fucking thing to go find the stupid thing um i, I really enjoyed that there's a couple moments where there's some good tension and james cameron clearly 
is not like he's not like the guy who directed Underwater. Like he's not a total hack. Um, the movie clearly shows the director has some issues with women, and that made me uncomfortable as time goes on. Also, I find excessive underwater stuff to be super boring. Really? Why is that? I just find it to be super boring. Hmm. After a while, I just can't care anymore about being underwater. Hmm. So I watched the first half of the unrated version, which I feel like had a lot of underwater stuff, and then watched all the regular version with you. And then I went back and I rewatched the uh, extended ending mm-hmm. with the whole uh, the tidal wave, the tidal wave, and 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 just again reading the production stuff, like the the whole going back and finishing this longer cut came after T two when he signed some massive deal, which also included a half a million to finish the effects. Because I guess initially ILM had like a plastic tsunami. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so the movie's fine. I just I didn't love it. Does any part of that have to do with you like falling asleep the first time you tried to watch it? What do you mean falling asleep? You kept mentioning how you like you tried to watch the first half hour hour and a half of this movie over like four hours. And oh no, I just kept pausing it to you sure do stuff because yeah. you kept on saying, "Oh yeah, this is the last scene I watched," and then. Ten minutes later, oh, be yeah, like, oh, this I, is the last scene I watched. It had been like a day or two before and I'd forgotten mm. where I left off. I feel like at the, in the time of the telling, it was because you kept falling asleep. But Were you there? Yes. When I was watching? No, it? when you were telling us the oh. first time about yeah. how like you don't remember what happened because so you, you don't, kept falling you don't, asleep. You don't really know. Well, you told me that you were falling Your asleep. Your lead yeah. is an unreliable uh, Yes, you apparently is, very unreliable. It was me. No, I, mm-hmm. I eventually remembered exactly where I had left off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five times even. Twice. Twice. <laughs> Exaggerate the number a little bit more. I feel like we could we could ask our mutual friend in and, and he'd confirm. An even more unreliable character than myself. <laughs> All right. Well, I have seven top moments. You have four honorable mentions and three top moments. I'm not totally shitty. I have I have three honorable mentions. I mean, it's not, not a bad thing if you don't have more. Okay. Okay. I always I actually feel worse when it's like for like sneakers, what was it? Like I had nine or eight or nine. I was just like, sorry, man. I got a bunch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's your number seven? Uh honorable mention number four is just the sub fight. It's a mm. it's an interesting action sequence where they're just ramming their subs into each other underwater. And it's, like they do the classic, like, you gotta like drive into the side of this cliff to make some rock falls on the dude behind you. It's just a staple of action movies. It reminded me of uh the helicopter fight in Mission Impossible Fallout. Sure. Like I could see Macquarie being inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number six moment is there's a part where I'm trying to remember exactly where is this. The the submersible, the like remote submersible that actually has a nuclear weapon on it. Big geek. Maybe. They've painted teeth on the front of it. And so they've like caught it with like a rope or something or a, a cable. And it's trying to get away. And there's there's these multiple shots where it looks like it's like writhing in pain as they film it from the teeth. It looks so stupid. But I was like, I couldn't help but chuckle. At this like creature like. Mm-hmm. Okay. I feel like that speaks to you like not taking this movie seriously. I thought it was an intentionally humorous moment on okay. Cameron's part. Because he, he could have filmed that any other way of the submersible like fighting against Ed Harris pulling on the rope. But he filmed it intentionally like it's an animal's head, like wriggling around. Okay. Yeah. My number three honorable mention is just the breathing liquid. First with the rat 
and then when they do with Ed Harris himself, which uh, I I had thought that that was just like clever uh, editing that. Not Ed Harris, but the rat is real. That really is. That's a real thing. Fluorocarbonated oxygen, whatever. Uh, they really did that. That existed on even back in the eighties. Yeah, only tested on animals. Yeah, I'm surprised they've never tested it on humans. I feel like maybe they have. I don't know. I don't think this would have been the place to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you read about some of the other stuff, it wouldn't shock me. But yeah, they really. I I thought that was pure sci-fi, but no. Apparently, that is a real thing that they they have that exists. Uh, that they made the rat. They had like five rats. Um, <laughs> I think we were there's just, a whole weird anecdote where like the fifth one had cardiac arrest and James Cameron like did CPR on it to revive it and kept it as a pet for a year. I feel like that's something you tell Peter to get them yeah. off your back. <laughs> Cause I think we were joking. When we I were think it got a it. bad, uh, it got like a bad thing in the UK about like that, that some sort of like rating from the UK cinema board or something about cruelty to animals because we were joking we were watching it that like the way they're cutting it they just would do a rat for 30 seconds so it drowned and then just cut into like a new rat uh my number five moment is when ed harris and michael bean are fighting with that like swinging lantern in front of them like just two beefcakes going at it with a knife soaking wet it's it's always interesting when you play with the perspective of like light i'm also again i'm watching this after the shadow of rise of skywalker and I kept also having PTSD to the fucking strobe effect on Palpatine's face. Hmm. But it looked better here. Okay. Uh, my honorable mention number two is the just the part where the crane falls and then starts dragging the rig. It's such a perfect disaster that's been set up by like, you know, these other things falling into place, you know, like hmm. the way that it, it only happens because of the hurricane and then the uh, Navy SEALs took off with the sub they needed to disconnect the uh, the cable and all that. And it's just like everything goes wrong, you know. They get dragged, a bunch of people die. Mm-hmm. You don't like underwater things. What about like sub movies? Are you down on sub, sub movies too? I don't like the underwater sequences. It's not. Don't okay. get me wrong. It's not that I don't like underwater movies. I don't like long underwater sequences. Hmm. I find them to be boring. What about if they're in space? I don't find that be boring. Like you, like you watch. Do you, want, do you, want, me to, do you like, want me to tell you fine. where I think it originated? Sure. I don't dislike uh, Thunderball, the fourth James Bond movie at all. Oh, there is a lot of. There's like a ten minute there. sequence where they're recovering the nukes, yeah. and it just turned me off. And then when they remade it, it's never say never again. I think they do it again. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Unless it's really like thrilling and interesting, I find it to be so boring. Hmm. Um, You're like Thunderball is boring. There for all. No, it just boring. it it's just when something's in like okay, I didn't like a couple of gangster movies, so therefore I don't go and watch other gangster movies. And when I do, I also tend to find them boring. So I feel like it's a little bit different. But. I mean, is the whole purpose of this podcast to always put me on trial? Does that make you feel better? Does it make you feel like you look better? Is this just a call? Is this banter to you? Is this is what you want? Yes. Okay. My number four moment is I think you'll appreciate this. Mm-hmm. It's uh. Cut the blue wire with the white stripe and not the black wire with the yellow stripe. And then it's the whole moment where you have to cut the wire on the bomb. And with the light and the depth, both wires look exactly the same. And he's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's actually my number four, too. Um, yeah, just the <laughs> when they describe, you know, yeah, was it uh, white on uh I can't remember the it's color. white stripe on blue yeah. and then yellow on black yellow and black and they look exactly the same because they are secretly the same but you don't know that um, oh really okay yeah in, in the production it's the same wire oh okay cool but because the, it's being lit by uh, like a glow stick 
you know, it's all this like green, greenish yellow lighting. Yeah. It's, it's like, well, great. <laughs> He's just like, I cannot stress this enough. Do not cut the black wire with the yellow strip. And I believe they do the thing where he's about to cut one and then he changes his mind and cuts the other. Right? As you yeah. always. I always. Is that how nuclear bombs work? You cut the wrong one, they just blow up. I don't know. To sure. me, well, number one, it's two options. You always cut the green wire. That's also a red one. Wow. Mm. Shit. I hope we don't end up in a. We'll just cut them both at the same time. Well, that's number two. Cut all the fucking wires. There's no mechanical connection. I also the bits and this is like popular in like stuff in the 90s and 80s where like they had to defuse a bomb, but it's like the bomb has been designed to foil like bomb diffusers. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just like designed to blow up. It's got all these like little tricks and traps in it. You know? oh, I feel like you know, for a while there was a thing where it's like, oh, there's a mercury switch and you have to hold it. Completely it's a fake even. switch. You have to, like, there's like liquid. If it yeah. like, gets over here, it's like, what? But there, I, I, I think um, what is that movie with where Steven Seagal dies like halfway through? I think it's like Wesley Snipes has to get on an airplane or something like that. Oh, executive decision. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, I'm pretty sure there's like, like fake triggers and like, stuff. it's like, it's a whole adventure just trying to disarm this bomb because it's been designed to like, you know, screw people who try to disarm it. I feel like the world got a little too real, but I'm surprised that uh, we've completely shut out the uh, mad villain, mad bomber trope, <laughs> the fucking Dennis Hoppers of the mm-hmm. world. Is Dennis Hopper still alive? Mm, I don't think so now. Oh, okay, cool. Um, my number three is the T-1000 phallus tentacle alien thing coming in to see Mary Elizabeth and moving around. And then when they shut the door and it just curse splash. Yeah. Yeah. Curse splash. My number three is the, uh, free swimming that they're doing because they have to get, they, they're like locked out of parts of the rig. And the only way there is to swim underwater with no tank in the cold and just like your skivvies basically. Um, just the idea of having to swim for what looks like several meters, you know, dozens of meters underwater, hoping that when you get there, there will be air, you know, mm-hmm. they have to like swim a whole long way, undo a hatch, come up and oh, fortunately there's a little air there. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. Super tense. Love it. Uh, my number two is one that you've already mentioned. It's the entire, how, how to set this up a little bit better. So there's an underwater um, drilling station. Mm-hmm. That is connected to a thing on a boat on the surface. Got a big old like foot thick cable going all the way up to the boat. Which on the we surface. summarized might be their oxygen. It's definitely their telecommunications mm-hmm. wire. It could be a variety of things. And there's like a crane and there's a storm. And eventually the crane falls off the thing with all the wires attached. Well, the crane is connected to this big cable right. thing. Yeah. So there they are in the station and they know that this crane is coming crashing down. And they presume it's coming crashing down on top of them. And then they're so lucky when they see it crash actually right in front of where their station is. And they're like, whew. But they're also on the edge of this trench. So then the thing just tips over and falls down the trench. They're still connected by this wire. So now the whole station is going to go teetering over the edge, which I want to say maybe Spielberg did in Lost World some version of. Yeah, I mean, with the uh, like the trailer. That but I mean, this is this is my example of like in filmmaking. Cameron knows how to set up these moments. There's other moments he set up that I do not love, but this, this fucking worked. Like Dad Harris nails the, oh, that was a close one. And then the thing just falls over and they're like, fuck, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my number two is the scene where they're reviving Lindsay after she has seemingly drowned. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Continue. You didn't like that scene? Continue. You can get a little closer to Mike. 
continue, please. Okay. Um, yeah, it's super tense and it kind of ends and you're like, well, she's dead. And then it just keeps going and going. I think this is, uh, the scene has been parodied and also kind of pastiched quite a bit since the scene. Mm-hmm. A whole lot of the, uh, you've never given up on anything in your life, you know, like you stupid bitch slamming, says. slamming the, uh, the chest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Cameron was like, I need to call a woman a bitch no less than 10 times in this movie. Well, I can squeeze out a couple here. My number one is nestled in my least favorite scene, which mm. is the one you just mentioned. Okay, that's uh, your least favorite scene? I could absolutely see why Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio would uh, walk out halfway through filming this. Did you read the full anecdote there? Yeah, yeah. They, they it's kept because going. they ran out of film. They fucked up the shot twice, they kept which going. is why she walked out. Yeah, they kept going, but there she is also mm-hmm. like like topless, surrounded mm-hmm. by men. And it's like, yeah, I don't want to be here anymore for the rest of this. But uh, as I had told you while we were watching, I was like, if they don't revive her, I'm walking out of the end of this <laughs> fucking movie. So my was top there, moment. Was there a moment when you thought she would die? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So my top moment is when she does come back to life because I was just like, God damn it. I fucking hate this movie if she dies right here. Um, I have some questions about the uh, the amount of time that she had no no oxygen. <laughs> I think it's supposed to be that she's not drowned. She's gone into hypothermic shock. Well, because so prior to this, she's she's stuck in a in a sub with Ed Harris. It's filling with water. Mm-hmm. They have one suit and they're like, oh, one of us can oh swim back. Oh, no, actually, we can't. Like, you won't make it. It's too far away. You'll be without oxygen. You'll die. And then it's like this happens to her. And then he, like, just drags her body as he swims well, back to the thing. It doesn't happen to her. She wants it. She's like, no, this is the plan. This is the only way it'll work. You're a better swimmer. You've already got the suit on. I'll go into a hypothermic shock. It'll seem like I've drowned, but my body will shut down. You can revive me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like you're not giving her enough agency in, in the plan here. I didn't love it. I didn't love it. Mm. I didn't love her watching her seemingly almost be dead and him like slapping and come on, you stupid bitch. You never gave up on anything. It's like, ugh. she's great in this movie. though. She is. All right. My number one, uh, I think this is your number three, maybe just the water tentacle scene. It's just so cool. At the time it was like amazing to see. It's pretty obviously CGI now, but mm. like at the time it was like so cool. To see this water thing floating around. Probably the best effect. In the movie? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of like, not digital effects necessarily, but there's a lot of effects work in this movie that are pretty impressive. I like when you get up close with some of the alien elements, I thought they were interestingly designed, but they weren't, they don't always hold up. I think most of those are not CG. Yeah. They, they, I didn't think they always held up. Some of them are very, not even just close encounters. Some of them are like batteries not included mm-hmm. level, but this still looked really good for a you know non HD, not updated since what ninety two, ninety three, when they did this like special edition. Yeah, well, I, I like. I don't think most of that is CG. I think it's the water? practical. The tentacle? No, the tentacle is, but the other stuff. I, I think most of the other effects are practical. I still say this looks better. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just I don't know the way they friend this weird tentacle and then of course lieutenant coffee flips his shit when he sees it because he's losing his mind at that point well just the idea that like later on he could like turn in a script for t2 and somebody can be like i don't know if we can do this and he's just like let me play you a scene from my 1989 seminal classic the abyss <laughs> i feel like this movie was was key to uh um ilm like really upping their shit this was one of the first like 
major movies to use yeah. CG in any way like that. You know, I mean, so I mean, I would Tron, almost, but... I would almost argue that like maybe we don't get Jurassic Park if this movie doesn't. Spielberg studied this movie. Happen. Well, you know, preparing for Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, those are our top moments. Uh, I just want to jump into some general discussion. Yeah. Did you read the IMDb trivia for this? No, I just read the Wikipedia one. The, the IMDb stuff is, wow, that, that, that is a doozy of insane stories there. Yeah. Or it is, it's just stuff for like Elizabeth, uh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio and Ed Harris like refused to talk about this movie. They're just like, I Supposedly hate that he, movie. He then went and did the press junket. Like he claimed he wasn't going to and then he did. Well, like after that, I guess, mm. you know, like he, he, there's like quotes from him saying like, I don't want to talk about it basically. But like at one point he just like, like during the filming, he just like pulled over in his car and started crying. Yeah. Like yeah. such was the trauma of working on this movie. It was uh, six days a week. 70 hour work weeks, mostly in like underwater tanks or confined spaces. 40% of this movie is filmed underwater. Yeah. And Ma- like Michael Bean was there for five months, but he only filmed for like three weeks or something like that. Wow. Like th- that's just the amount of like effort it took. They all went to dive school. And Harris would, was like a near professional rated diver by the end of this. Yeah. When they would put on the suits and go into the water, they would be in the water for up to five hours. Um, and I know that part of her frustration, she had said was, because he, like the uh, special edition cuts like just about three hours, it's like just shy of three hours, and the the other one's like two thirty, mm-hmm. something like that. And so her frustration was, I really wish that like like some of the stuff that we were like tormented into filming had ended up in the final cut of the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what do we do this for if it's not in the movie? Right, right, yeah. Well, like uh, Ed Harris nearly drowned at one point. <laughs> Like the, that it happened to both Ed Harris and James Cameron. Like the story about James Cameron almost drowning. Did you read that one? No, I did read the one guy say, you know, as everyone else is like criticizing James Cameron. One of the actors was just like, what I like about Jim is that he won't ask you to do anything that he won't do himself. Well, he was definitely down there. He like his suit started to run out of oxygen because like they forgot to like, you know, refill the oxygen tank or whatever. And so and he's like weighted down in a suit with weights and like, whatever system they had to get help for him wasn't working. And so he basically just had to like pop himself out of the suit, throw his weights off and try to swim to the surface, wow. uh, which would have like possibly given him the bends or something. Right, right. I don't know. And then like his like AD or a diver or something like that, sees him swimming up and tries to stop him and give him a respirator, but it's like giving him water instead of oxygen. Shit. Yeah. And so he like, he ends up having to like punch this guy in the face while he's drowning basically to get to the surface. Shit. And then he like fired that guy in the AD. I don't know. It's, it seems like in, in completely insane. It's like, it's a miracle. Nobody died making this movie. Um, I suggest this is why they don't make him this way anymore for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it's like the same thing happened to Ed Harris. It sounded like where like he was like essentially drowning. They, gave him a respirator and there was no it was just like water coming out of it because it was like upside down or something james cameron was this close to becoming john landis yeah <laughs> um yeah, if only yeah yeah <laughs> but but to be fair james cameron never created a max landis yeah but uh this is also like the first where he d- he wanted the helmets to be designed so you could see actors mouths moving he, while they talk yeah, they designed special helmets for the die suits with like like special rigged mics to get the audio and it like then it sounded too good, so they added in a bunch of like right. distortion from the respirators anyway. Because I mean, like I've definitely seen like like probably like a handful of James Bond movie even where it's like he it doesn't he he can't he, it doesn't even matter if he's saying anything. It's like mm-hmm. this could be any take, you know. It's like you can't see their mouth, whatever. Um, so I watched the first half of the special edition. I don't remember if this was on the version that you played when I came over the next night. 
But before this movie even starts, there's that rising bump on the soundtrack to let you know that this bitch has got some THX sound. I miss that little this was like the first movie, the swell, like the days in, in the THX. life by the Beatles. I think like the laser disc for this or something. It was like the first movie issued under the THX license. And then not on your version, but this movie starts with an epigraph from Nietzsche. It's like the world's most obvious quote. Yeah. About the abyss. Apparently they cut that out because that was used in another movie that came out the year before. Oh really? And they like, they're like, ah, they like stole our thunder with that. Well, which is funny is because it's somewhat inspired by an HG Wells story called in the abyss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I mean, briefly the plot of this movie is that, uh, there is a Russian sub or not a Russian sub, but a U.S. American sub. Uh, cruising around in like the, I think it's the Mariana Trench is where they are, and they're um, like picking up like some weird like signals from some bogey that's like moving way too fast. Um, the Cayman trough. The captain in this, I feel like, doesn't get enough blame. He's a bad captain. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed that on rewatch. Like he's like not taking it seriously and being like, "Oh, let's give this thing a haircut," even though it's like it's moving at eighty knots, sir. Like we don't know what it is. Like is that Russian? And he's just like full speed ahead let's just like start plowing you know towards the Look side the of this trench moving too yeah it's clearly not a sub uh yeah the cayman trough somewhere in the caribbean sea between jamaica and the cayman islands okay because they kept saying that we're like we're not far from cuba uh, okay yeah and i mean and i feel like it's not it's not like the first movie that like the the impetus is like a sunken sub that we have to get something from but yeah, like that bad, bad crew. I think you were saying that this has got to be like the worst way to die. I feel like I've seen plenty of movies in my day where like it's like the sub is filling up with water. It all seems horrifying to me because Would you whether drown or suffocate. Uh, I mean, how suffocate, I guess. I mean, it's like suddenly there's no oxygen in the room. Or You're something. dead. That's how know. suffocated. Yeah. The thing about drowning is that's not going back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm just walking back. Michael Caine, huh? I can't do Michael Caine. I wish I could do Michael Caine. You are only supposed to blow the body doors off. I won't. It's like going home. No, you said it was terrible. Um, All right. What was I talking about? Um, Yeah, drowning in a submarine seems pretty horrible. Worse than a plane crash, I guess. It's a similar situation where you're like stuck in a tube and you're fucked. But like, I feel like the water coming in makes it worse. Well, I think in either one, though, you're asking yourself, do I have time to rub one out before I go? Definitely. Yeah. I feel like on the plane, you do. Well, I think on the on the sub, it's that there's that feeling of like, I just got to get to this hatch and close the thing and then it'll be OK. And it's like, no. Whereas on the plane, too, it's like everyone relax. We're going to die anyway. Well, I feel like you, you're definitely dying on a plane. The sub, there is that brief, you know, like temptation of like, maybe you'll make it if you do the right thing. Mm. I don't know. Uh, rough death for these dudes. Yeah. They they basically, they, there's like this weird bogey that's flying around. They get caught in its wake and like they've been so irresponsible and like, you know, like full screws ahead that they like don't realize they're plowing directly into the side of this trench. Mm-hmm. You get and, some good scraping sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And then oops. I think you even see like part of the propellers like warped. We're losing her. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so they, they run into the side of this trench because they, this mysterious bogey thing flew fast them. And they start like sinking and going deeper and deeper into the trench. And then they like hit not the total bottom of the trench. I think they're still on like a shelf of the yeah, trench, right? Yeah, That's yeah. what you find out later. But but the bomb ends up on the bottom later. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, to answer your question, no, I don't dislike sub movies at all. Um, and for October, it's a solid film, right? How do you feel about Crimson Tide? I only saw that once at Birdcage when it was out, like years and years ago. I mean, I had a similar feeling then, like the idea that those, um, like one of one of those like bulkheads blows, and it's just like it's like that dude's just fucking dead. Like it hits that dude in the head, and his mm-hmm. head his head is like mush. Well, like when the you know? when the screws pop, yeah, up. yeah, yeah. It's like you're just fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> Crimson Tide would have been a better movie if it wasn't for the Tony Scott of it all. I haven't seen it in a really long time, so I couldn't say. But uh, the the whole thing where it's like you got to close the hatch, and there's people on the other side, like pounding and begging for their lives. Yeah, yeah. You get a little of that in this movie. Yeah, you, a couple times I mm-hmm. think. Uh, so then we get the later with the uh, this is like an oil drilling company and we see like the top side with their boat the navy helicopters land I should have put this this should have been one of my top moments uh, the, when, uh, high heels when the marines they land on the on the deck of the ship and you see this like this close up of like boots hitting the the deck then more boots then more boots and then a lady's high heels and then you get baby Chris Elliott who just says this is this is my like live notes as I was watching this movie. Oh no, look who it is. Queen bitch of the universe. And I wrote, so already I love whoever this woman is. <laughs> I feel like maybe it was a different time then. Maybe people would have, <laughs> oh, okay, obviously it was. But like, I don't feel like she does anything, even in the first part of this movie, that's just like, oh my God, how dare she? You know, like, no, I, she doesn't. Yeah. It's misogyny. <laughs> But, but there's a way you could write this character where it's like she's more kind of, I don't know, like aggressive or like a pain in the ass or something. But like she really isn't. No, she's not, yeah. which makes it even more egregious. I wonder if there's more of that in the original script or something. I don't know. It's not even just that. Yeah, it's not even just that there's like a clash of personalities. This is just hardcore 80s misogyny or early 90s misogyny on top of the fact that like once or twice she's just like. I designed this rig. I know it pretty well. And then her ex-husband is like, ah, shut the fuck up. You're being hysterical. And it's just like, is anyone on her fucking side in this goddamn movie? I mean, the movie ultimately is. She becomes the emotional center of the movie. It's weird. For him. But for the movie. Yeah, but for him. She should have been the star of the movie. I like Ed Harris just fine. But like, she's the star of the movie. She's the co-star of the movie. I, I don't really feel like he's taking any steam away from her. Um, but I mean, there you can find lots of interesting essays online talking about how this movie is like kind of a, a victory of the mass or the feminine over the masculine and like how mm-hmm. they resolve their conflicts and whatnot. So that's all there. But in the first half of the movie, I, I just feel like they didn't set up the character. Like, I don't think their intention was these are just a m- bunch of misogynists. That's how it comes off when you watch it. But I, I think their intention was to show that like, these two are just button heads because you know, like they, they, you know, don't see eye to eye, whatever. Like I, I just, they, I don't think they sell it. I mean, like she fair, has like one line about how she's like, you got to have your priorities or whatever, you know? Right. To be fair, we talked about, I did not pick up on any of it because I was a stupid little boy when I watched true lies. And then when, every time I rewatched true lies, it like, Oh, I see that that dial is turned way up of his issues with women. Yeah, I, I definitely did pick up on that when I first watched it. The the striptease scene in True Lies is so bizarre and so out of nowhere. And it's like it totally it takes over the whole center of the movie. Mm. It, like it's this weird detour. Yeah, but there's there's so many little moments, too. Like There's a part where like Tia Carrera has done something and Art Mollick walks in and he's just like, you stupid biscuit. And he starts like slapping her around. And I was like, oh, why did I not remember this? This is bad. Mm-hmm. Um. Then Michael Bean shows up with the most American mustache of all time. 
It's a villainous mustache. It's like a Darth Maul probing the periphery mustache. It's just always there. That mustache is always there. Darth Maul? Yeah, he's just, he's just, that mustache is just like pacing the corners, just waiting to attack. Okay. I, for one point, I thought it was getting bigger. <laughs> like, you would think if you wanted to show her as being like domineering and whatnot, like she'd be the one ordering them to do this, like over no. their objections or something like that, you know, because nope. she's the boss. Like she's she, the company like man. She owns it, you know, yeah. yeah she's not the company man. Mm-hmm. She's there solely to protect the rig that she designed to make sure that when they take it over for the stupid purpose, it won't get like destroyed. But like, there's a bit where they're going down in the sub, her and the Marines. And fortunately there's not a lot of like gross sexual tension there, but she's like trying to explain to them basically the bends and Michael beans just con and she's being very calm about it. And he's just, he's just being a dick. He's yeah. He's just like, we've been briefed, you know? And she's like, yeah, but you can't really tell who's going to have an advance. And he's like, yeah, we've been briefed. And it's like the, yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't think it's the intention, but it comes off rough. So it's supposed to be about, I think it was written to be the love story between James Cameron and Galen Hurd. They were separated by the time they were in pre-production. They were going through the divorce, like during production. I think this was written to be about them. I think this was supposed to be like his big, like love story. And I don't know. I watched some uh, YouTube video of him, like introducing this, like a video of him introducing like years later. And he's just like really proud of like his love stories that he's created in his career. And I was like, I would be less proud of the love story here. I really would. Eh, I don't think it's bad on the face of it. So there's a bit in the the deleted scene, or not the deleted scene, the special edition that I don't think was in our version. When Ed Harris is, they show him working on the rig below, and he gets the phone call. I don't think we see all the phone call um, in the Probably regular not, edition. No. But he's just like, hey, what's up? I'm calm. Yeah, what, are, what are you telling me? I'm the most calm person. Is there a reason I shouldn't be calm? And then presumably he hears that his ex-wife is coming, and he's just like, What? Um, but I appreciate with his character a job where your coworkers don't know your first name. Well, I mean, if it's Virgil, you probably want to keep that to yourself. But I'm like, like when they find out, like, hey, wait, Bud isn't your first name. <laughs> well, I mean, these guys go by like weird, like one night, like call signs, like one night and hippie and yeah, catfish yeah. and jammer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it cracked me up. They're like Virgil. <laughs> Do you see why it's one night? Oh, because her last name's standing. Her last name's standing. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> oh, I wish there was more one night. She's fun. Yeah, they're really aside from Michael Bean and uh, Ed Harris and Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio, the rest of the cast is pretty like cardboard cutout. You know, it's just like you're the weird nerdy guy. You're the big trucker dude. Well, two of the guys to me totally blended together. There's a couple dudes who like, yeah. Also, Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock was the guy where I was like, hey, that guy never said a line of dialogue in this whole movie. Is that the character's name or the actor's name? It's famous stuntman Dick Warlock. Ah, okay. The original Mike Myers. Okay. Yeah, because he's got a he's got a weird looking face. Dick Warlock has kind of Snoke's brows, where like one eye is slightly higher than the other. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So here's my question about it, Harris. Mm-hmm. This is open to the entire congregation. Mm-hmm. At any age, in any era, mm-hmm. can he get it? Why are you asking me that? I don't know. Um, it, they they had to fight apparently to cast him over like more I don't know like traditionally attractive actors. I know out like, of hair because he was like losing his hair. Yeah, <laughs> it's mostly lost. <laughs> <laughs> he lost. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is the the George thing? It's just like. 
In 18 months, my friend, the enemy will recede past the, you will recede past this point, and the enemy will have taken over. <laughs> what do I do? You live. <laughs> uh, I see a moon pole in this movie, and I just flash back to the season three of Lost and the season three of Lost, and I don't mind. Good old moon pools. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really like the construction of the movie. There's um, I can't remember who does this video. It might be a Patrick H. Wollens video. There's a video out there that kind of discusses like how you can tell a good action sequence because it's everything that happens with a and then therefore because of mm-hmm. type thing, uh, which is what's happening in this movie and like the kind of narrative setup. It's like she sees the thing. They assume it's this. They do this. Yeah, it's like the the, thing goes wrong. That requires them to then they have to go to phase two and go get a nuke. And because they did that, they don't have the sub to disconnect the cable. And because they don't do that in time, the crane falls. You know, it's like it all leads from one to the next. As much as it's a movie, the logic is perfectly sound. Mm -hmm. Um they do that thing it's it's a twofer for James Cameron at one point after he gets off the phone of her. Ed Harris is like, God, I hate that bitch. And the other guy is like probably shouldn't have married her then huh and it's like everybody got that yeah that's such an obvious like <laughs> exposition setup mm-hmm. um so also, it just doesn't seem like like their interactions ever rise to the level of uh animosity i guess that we're seeing no like, even when he's like um you know you only put three years into me and she's like well you got to have your priorities and he like goes and throws his ring in the toilet like i I guess, you know, that that's like that would hurt, you know, but well, it, it's uh, not just like, damn, like there, no. there isn't that feeling of like, wow, these two hate each other. It also you know? never quite get. I know there's one point where he thinks he's got like the scoundrel and the princess stuff where he's just like, I think you're here because you're worried about me. And it's like totally doing a Han Solo there. Too. But it's like it's so flat. Like it, it's clear that that's not why she's here. It's just that's what's in the script to, yeah. to set this up. I, I mean, I almost feel like they don't have. They don't have terrible chemistry, but they don't have great chemistry. I mean, you can they this plot line it becomes like a common thing in action movies, though. Like the couple that's divorced, scream that's two, baby, get back together, scream two, twister, yeah, there's all twister. Um, I need to amend my top moments because I don't know how I forgot my favorite scene in the movie. Hmm. It's uh, in the special edition when the entire crew sings along to the fucking country song. I it's so cheesy that's to and show dumb, you that they're all salt of the earth but i was like you know what i fucking love it like one night is the um african-american female like pilot of some of the submersibles she like wears overalls all the time she loves her fucking country music and so she just blasts it on the intercom and they're all just singing along for like maybe three full minutes i like how all like the chairs and their subs are weird they're all just like doing like just like crossing their legs like sitting down yeah like it's like not like a normal like cockpit style chair you'd expect yeah the uh i think it's like the way we saw like the bedroom thing where it's like he makes the joke that the reason they had gotten married was a married couple gets their own stateroom which i think means you have a door because <laughs> you see like that kind of open thing where there's like a bunch of rooms of no walls there and it's like that's where people are sleeping and mm-hmm. i think that would drive me nuts it's like an oliver twist uh orphanage or something but yeah, so the, the general plot is they've the Navy needs to go go to the sub to check for rescuers and like to, you know, take any classified stuff they don't want the Russians getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've contracted this oil company's underwater drilling rig because they're nearby. They'll get there faster. And so they they move the rig closer to the trench. The, the, the sub's like down in the trench, but only a little ways. It's like on a shelf. And so they got to go down there. Obviously, there's no survivors. They discover quickly... Um, but they have to go check the whole ship. The Navy can't do it because 
they can't get their stuff there yeah. in time because there's a massive storm coming. Yeah. It, yeah, and there's a hurricane coming, so that's going to make everything real interesting in a few hours. I'm surprised the wedding ring thing didn't end up higher or didn't end up on your your top scenes. It's just a little gross. Because he puts his hand on the I like that it. his hand is blue for most of the rest of the movie, but it's still pretty gross. Well, even then, though, the economics of the script, because the ring saves his life later, it's like you've got to know, like, oh, yeah, he's still well, wearing his do, fucking ring. It's huge. They do a good job of the first time the water's filling up. They can't get the hatch open to let the dude through. They're going to die. And he's mm. just like, you got to cut the thing. Cut on your the side, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they just die. And then now it's his turn, you know, to like suddenly all the water starts rushing. in, so he's got to run to the next like hatch. And, you know, he's able to get them to cut the thing so, so he they just can open it. thrusts his hand in this door. And at first I'm thinking, like, you're going to get your fucking hand cut off. The door Not is if stopped. you have a, a ring of uh, unobtainium, apparently. Which, it's a movie. Yeah. So whatever. Because otherwise that would crush your finger nonetheless. Yeah. And, and later he has no problems at all. Like, it's just fine. That ring just. Uh, hardened steel. I don't know. Sure. Maybe, sure. maybe it's made of some special. Valyrian steel. Yeah. Some yeah. special compound. Uh, yeah, whatever. Some, we've been mining for adamantium down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you get the you get the bit too, where again you get her side of it when the scene where she's coming down decompressing up the Marines, and they're like, "Listen, Mrs. Brickman," and she's like, "Oh, please don't call me that." And like massive eye roll from these guys, like, "Oh, this fucking bitch!" Like, how how dare she not be called by her legal name? What would you prefer I call you, sir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Michael Bean shows up and he starts giving orders like an asshole. Like he's determined to be a fucking asshole from the beginning. He makes. No effort at all, yeah, to ingratiate himself. Like, like when she's telling him about the uh, the nerve pressure, whatever syndrome, he could have just been like, like nod politely and like, like he knows, like you know, it's like, oh, I, I know all about that. I'll just pretend I don't, so you mm-hmm. can say your thing, you know, like. But no, he's got to jump in and be like, I know all about it. Like, shut up, basically. Also, so these guys agree to do this because they're gonna get paid like triple pay. Yeah, I would have. Uh... I would negotiate for a little more. Like Winnebago. There's that. But also, if someone starts off with triple pay, they'll pay quadruple pay. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, oh, I'm sorry. Were you going to fly in somebody else? I'm right here. Yeah, Michael Bean's Lieutenant Coffee is such a dick. Right from the start. He makes no effort to, like, calm these people no. or, like, work with them at all. Well, one guy is just like, I don't want to go deal with nuclear radiation. Yeah. And, like, three years later, my dick falls like, off. What is your problem, man? Yeah, and he's just like, you're going to fucking do what I tell you to do, soldier. And it's like, well, I'm not a soldier, bitch. Not the greatest of leaders. No. You know, you would think uh, somebody with a little more leadership experience would realize, like, you don't want to start off on the wrong foot with everyone. No. You know? Hey, but baby's got the bends. Yeah. Um, but even at her, she's like, hey, man, you got to talk to me. Like, we, you got to do things our way. Especially when you're ordering around my people. And Michael Bean's like, no, I'm an asshole. Yeah. Look at my mustache. <laughs> so then the other guy shows up with the oxygenated liquid. The this medic guy, guy. This guy's fucking fetish He's is the just good Navy SEAL. It's just like drowning people in this stuff. You're like, no, look, it looks like they're drowning. Like they're they're in agony. And they're having anxiety and they're tormented. But that's just them like taking this shit down their lungs. I, I respect it. Oh, I could totally see you just like thrusting people's faces into this oxygenated <laughs> pink. Li- it looks like like super diluted Kool Aid. Yeah, yeah. But like the the clockwork nature of the plot, it's like okay, so they go to the sub everyone's dead while they're in the sub one of the uh the ntis the underwater creatures seemingly shows up and spooks one dude and he like he starts freaking out Mm -hmm. um and then it also flies past Lindsay in her sub and because she saw some weird thing she can't explain the you know she's told this to the navy seals who then report it to topside and topside's like oh shit 
they could have been a Russian sub or something, even though she's like, no, it was definitely not a Russian sub. First of all, it was pink and it was glowing. And so then because of that, they have to go to quote unquote phase two, which is to go get one of the nuclear warheads from the sub uh, to, to rig to, I guess, I don't think we ever hear what the plan is, but I assume it's to go blow up the sub just in case. I presume. Yeah. Yeah. Like to keep it out of Russian hands. I would think you wouldn't need a nuke to do that. Self destruct on a sub. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they had those on the Enterprise. I don't know why they wouldn't have them on subs. Yeah, yeah. Basic things. Inter- Next generation has been on for two years, guys. Come on, get onto this. <laughs> I did like the the small bit where they're like discussing the uh, like some of the hatches of the torpedo tubes have come open, mm. and she's like asking him about the the like how big the uh, weapons are, and he's just like, eh, "Your Merv's a tactical nuke. Figure uh, about five times Hiroshima." Only somebody calls it World War Three in a can. There you go. Yeah. Um. So anyway, the because they that all happens, the crane can't de, you know be detached. The, everything falls on them. They get dragged to the edge. Bunch of uh, background dudes we don't care about die. And then it's like, well, they're kind of fucked. They've got oxygen for like maybe a couple days. Uh, Twelve hours. Well, they they go and get some more tanks. So they get. Oh, oh. yeah at, at one point there's like some extra oxygen tanks like uh kind of like i don't know off to the side they can go get to extend that i'm surprised the one guy was like just like bury your faces in this fucking pink goo i've got yeah but yeah they don't have long they don't know how long the hurricane is going to be blowing up ahead to like you know get a rescue and uh lieutenant coffee the the lead navy seal guy is like slowly losing his mind because of this uh yeah syndrome he's got is He's got the shakes. He's getting more and more paranoid. He thinks the Russians are behind everything. His mustache is growing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's. And then things start getting real spooky. Uh, the one guy like, like when the water's like, like crashing in everywhere. First of all, we don't know how many people really like there's never a point where they're like, I got 40 people on this rig. And then you got like five I think Marines. They say later on, we lost seven, I okay. think, or something like that. Yeah. Cause so. it's like, I see the same couple of guys who all look the same. That's the thing about the thing is that that movie is expertly cast. There's no way I'm going to confuse Wilford Brimley with this other fucking guy. You know what I mean? Like I know who everyone is in that fucking movie. They should have taken. There's like a big tall lunk guy in this. Jammer? But then there's Jammer. Yeah. But then there's also Catfish who's not as tall, but he's also a big guy. The guy is the trucker hat guy. Is he the guy who goes swimming with him? The, the hammer. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. Th- th- those two guys until Jammer needed, goes. Boopsie. Jammer needed to be like bald or something, you yeah, know? Yeah. Those two guys in the first 20 minutes, I was like, I don't know. Who well, there's is. like three other dudes in the background. There's another dude who kind of looks like catfish who dies. He's one of the guys who can't get through the, uh, the hatch when no. they, they close it. Mm. But he looks way too much like the other guys. Yeah. Well, then, so it's kind of funny. The guy named Hippie is like the youngest guy. Mm-hmm. It was like the guy who's just like, man, the CIA is behind everything, or whatever. He has a pet rat. That's his. That's his personality. He's a pet rat. He drives the uh, RV submersibles. Yeah, yeah. So at one point, when the water's crashing in, he like saves his pet rat by putting him in a baggie. And as soon as he does it, I was like, that rat better survive this. Like, don't don't suffocate your rat. I, mean, I, I think really... James Cameron knows like the rules of action blockbuster filmmaking is that you never kill the dog or you never kill right. the pet. You know, I was gonna say because like. You know, in any other movie, I don't give a fuck about a rat. But here, it's like with these jerks, the rat's the one I'm rooting for. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, so you think, so obviously the ring thing, that was intentional. When he shoves his hand in the door, that's intentional. He thinks the ring is going to stop it. What do you mean? 
Like, does he know that the ring is going to stop the I door? I think he was just trying to get his hand in there to stop it. But I mean, it's I not know. like it's an elevator. You know what I mean? Like you tap the elevator door and it reopens. I think when you're in a panic situation like that, you might not be thinking super clearly. I don't know. Okay. Because that's what I, I was watching. Because it didn't, it didn't close super fast. Like it, he like got his hand in there and was like pulling on it for a second. It seemed like there was, it was just immediately like hmm. the ring. So as I was wondering, it's just like, is, is the movie saying that he knew this would work? The ring would save him? Or was he just like trying anything? And I think got it was lucky? just luck. Okay. Um, so we get some, some backstory on Ed Harris and, and Mary Elizabeth when he and one night are working on something. Um, I love that one night can't fucking stand Mary Elizabeth. It's hilarious. It's not hilarious. Women support women, but. It, it is kind of funny when two characters don't like I mean, other. we don't know their backstory, but yeah. Well, it's funny because she seemingly knows nothing about this woman except that she's the queen bitch of the universe. And then later, I'm shocked when one night's like, you always were a better pilot to these like little submersibles than me. It would make so much more sense if she was like the owner of the company, you know, or if like if she was the one who'd been calling all the shots that they didn't like. I think the problem is that know? the owner of the company is always the person selling out. And they yeah. Have her, she has too much integrity. So, so apparently because they, oh, they want her to occupy both roles though you know a little well she's she's definitely the moral center yeah um in addition to possibly being the heart but like so ed harris and Ariel elizabeth's character started a affair while working underwater they were living then they ended their shift they were living on the beach then they got married they went back underwater because if you were married you got a stateroom to yourself and then like later he's describing the end of the marriage and he's like she didn't leave me she just left me behind <laughs> What they're trying to do, they're oil workers, basically. They're trying yeah. to prove the, uh, what's it called, the validity of a uh, underwater oil rig. Or the, the financial viability. It's uh, like if you were to look at the horizon and mm-hmm. make it go deep. Yeah. Anyway, everything's all gone fuck up. Yeah. She has no support in this thing, even even of him. She's trying to describe the thing that she saw when she when she's getting the extra oxygen tanks. Uh, one of those little uh, NTIs shows up again. She really sees it this time and manages to get a fleeting picture. She sees like the big ship, right? Like it's like the like she, she sees, sees the little thing and then the little the big thing, thing. She sees something slightly bigger. She doesn't see the big fucker at the end. No, but she sees, she sees like a, a little bigger, yeah, something the size of I don't know, like an X wing or something. You yeah, know? yeah, 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 yeah. And she gets a little bit of shot of the the little thing like running away, which only makes Coffee more paranoid. And he's like, basically, like he gets the idea that like there's something down there. I'm gonna use this like nuke warhead that we uh, retrieved to like send it down there and just blow everything up because he's crazy. I mean, I like the idea in the designs that there's. Um almost like a opaque like see-through nature to the paneling of whatever i mean it looks like it's jellyfish stuff mm-hmm. like you can kind of see like, the weird alien gears moving inside their ship all their technology is based on water yeah. yeah um and then hippie has the ridiculous lines this movie lines like this i give this whole thing a sphincter factor of 9.5 it's a pretty high sphincter pack that's factor. a pretty well yeah. i mean jesus we're that close to a 10 uh, then we get a scene where an insert or Michael Bean just cuts himself to relax. It's, this is after uh, Lindsay comes in and starts yelling at him about what he's doing. Yeah. And he's just like cutting himself. Under the table. Later on, he's got like a gun behind his back the whole time. Yeah. Like this was the part in the movie. I was like, you know what, Lindsay? Maybe, maybe you don't want to go full bore with this guy right now. He looks pretty insane. 
Well, they find out that these guys are like working on a, a nuke in their like cabin because yeah. the other guy has like a submersible outside looking through the porthole. Like when this dude's giving you the weird, crazy eyes with one hand behind his back the whole time, maybe it's not the best time to start like yelling at him and calling him a jarhead. You know? Yeah. And and this is where he starts the rest of the movie. He is persistently wet. Mm-hmm. And like going full Brando in Apocalypse Now. Oh, yeah. He's definitely feeling it. Um, so eventually they get a full-on visitation by the water tentacle, which finally completely sends uh, coffee over the edge. And he basically just like takes them all prisoner. So there's a moment that made me very uncomfortable when they're going to take them all prisoner. And he shoves her up against a bulkhead. And he's like right up in her face. And it's just two shot. And he says, I'm going to do something to you that I've wanted to do since the moment I met you. And he's doing something under, under the under You hear the frame. something ripping like below frame. And yeah. it's like basically he's pulling out duct tape to put over her mouth because she's got a mouth. Get it, everyone. But like it's intentional that it seems like he's whipping out his stuff mm-hmm. to like assault her. And I was just like, you know what you're doing, Cameron? This yeah. guy's already crazy. You don't need to imply sexual violence on top of it. I was kind of relieved that we didn't fully have that. But it, it's like it's it's treated as a joke. It's like, ha ha. Oh, we thought he was going to rape her. You know? Yeah. The funny yeah. rape. Oh, yeah. No, that that's that to me would be the worst scene in the movie, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. Because it's so intentional. Like, you know what you're doing there. Yeah. Um. So then do we get this is where we get the fight. Well, they gotta. They all get locked in to the one room. The other guys, like, there's like three seals oh, left. One Jammer gets out. One of them's the medic. One of them's like just like the little like lieutenant or not lieutenant, but the lieutenant is lieutenant. Um, like the second guy who does like the Rambo bandana out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. That fuck that guy, man. <laughs> just following orders there. Yeah. But yeah, some they all get locked in a, a certain room, and then like jammer basically wakes up off screen and like you know bashes jammer's been guy. in a coma jammer's been in a coma ever since his like regulator got screwed up when he saw the uh, the nti yeah but they managed to get out of his little hat but they're still locked in a part of the rig and like he, this guy has like decided he's going to rig a warhead to to a uh, big geek who the hippie had already programmed and, and uh he, we see that uh coffee knows this because he's watching them on surveillance he finds out that they've programmed this thing to go down to the bottom of the trench mm. and like see what's down there. So he's gonna he just needs to attach the the nuke to it basically and send it down there on a timer. Yeah, Jammer's gone like full brain damage of mice and men. So this is where they do some underwater swimming so that Edgars can come up the moon pole. They got a free swim and just like a shirt and like like underwear or pants. Yeah. Which again, as freezing as that water would be, it's the coming back out of the water, which would be deadly. And so you just got to pull in Mulder at that point and just be like, I'd like everyone to know it's very cold right now. <laughs> As I'm stripping down, I just like to remind everyone it's extremely cold. You just reminded me that there's literally a moment in the X-Files where Gary Shandling says, do you dress to the left or dress to the right? <laughs> um, so yeah, he's like sneaking up on Ed Harris or Ed Harris is sneaking up on, on uh, like, on what coffee. are you doing? This guy's a Navy SEAL. Yeah. Well, like, like I think you pointed out, he goes for the gun. He, at it's first, like, he just, he has like a big metal club just thing. Just hit him over the head. And he's like, no, no, no I'm going to go for the gun instead. Yeah. Ooh. Fucking Ed Harris. And then you got the thing where Ed, Ed, uh, what's his face? Uh, Michael Bean pulls the gun out and it's like, oh shit, he's going to shoot him. And then he pulls the trigger and it's like click and then like cut to the, the good Navy SEAL who's like slowly just like flicking out the bullets from the clip <laughs> like he couldn't just say don't worry guys i got the bullets he yeah. has to do it super dramatically <laughs> yeah 
So eventually, uh, Michael Bean gets away. They have to go after him and the other sub thing. He's launched Big Geek, I right? Think. Or he's, no, it's it's tied to the sub that he gets away in. Yeah, so he's in a submersible with Big Geek attached. They have to go on the other one. This is where one night says to Mary Elizabeth, "Like you've always been a better pilot than me," and I want to be like, "You hate her." Yeah, but you know, maybe she just didn't want to be out there. You know, I don't blame her. <laughs> no, you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't blame her. She's only getting triple pay. <laughs> yeah. So Ed Harris, Ed Harris is just like running around in a suit, like on the bottom of the ocean floor there. Well, he, he does a lot of backseat sub driving to Mary Elizabeth as she's driving after this guy. I kept waiting for him to be like, can you go any faster? Well, he manages to tie down Big Geek before he can get away. But then like uh, he gets like rammed or like what he ties to he gets rammed by coffee. And then like somehow they manage to like it's, it's pretty like amazing that they managed to have him outside and then get into her sub at one point yeah like without it seeming super clunky yeah then there's like a leak and so the sub is filling up with water well so they they finally they, they defeat coffee yeah in their battle and uh cool shot of like they're both stuck right on the edge of the trench and like he's like kind of his sub is looking up facing them and they just like kind of watch him as he slides away mm. And then he gets deeper and deeper and the thing starts like the the, I mean, the glass bubble starts like cracking and just kaboom. Implosion. So a lot of, lot of like fallout vibes, but he's even got Henry Cavill's mustache. That's the job. I just love the implosion. Like, ooh, what a way to go. Yeah, you know? yeah. The, whenever like, ah, like the pressure. Yeah. Because yeah. you see that even. Is that what happens to TJ Miller in Underwater? Doesn't he like kind liquefy yeah. his suit? Mm-hmm. I could watch that slowly. Um. Yeah. So so there. It's just the two of them left in their little sub. It's filling with water. He's got a suit. He can't reach the where the the leak is. Right. And so they can't stop it. Right. And they're debating like, well, what do we do? Do we? We can't both swim. You know, one of us went back. Her plan's like, here's the plan. I drown. Yeah. Well, that's what she comes up with eventually. She's just like, you go. I'll go into like hypothermic shock. My body will shut down but i won't be dead or something like that you know yeah um so apparently the uh the shots of him just like swimming back with her that's just her you know it's not a dummy or anything that's just like she had to hold her breath while he swims underwater like that it's insane like some of the stuff they did like uh, like when i was watching this i was thinking like the shots of the uh the dead sailors in the sub were like maybe maybe they're dummies or something nope they're not (laughs) they're not they're just people yeah one of them was james cameron's brother the one of the uh that has the crab crawl out of his mouth oh it's james cameron's brother jesus fucking christ yeah so in this uh this video i watched which i don't know when it was filmed of like it's like a three minute like clearly they're showing in the abyss in theaters and this is like his little introduction and he's he actually says i was kind of shocked at the humility he's just like this is a movie where i might have lost some perspective but, you know, hey, at the time, I was trying some really cool things. <laughs> and I think about, like, the blood feuds waged mm-hmm. after this movie. <laughs> I was trying some cool things. Um, so, yeah. So they, they He they, brings they, her back and uh, they so to, get the crash card out. To do the defibrillator, this was the thing that shocked me, especially in the 1989 movie. They, like, tear her shirt off. Of course, she's not wearing a bra. That shocked you? It did shock me. Because you just have a woman who's, like, topless as they're trying to save her life. Surrounded by the men. It just, I don't know. It it surprised me. I mean, you know they have to, like, skin on skin, right? For I understand. Yeah. I understand. I mean, but plenty of movies have have skirted that. Yeah. Plenty of movies have, have, as we talked about while watching this movie, 
no movie ever really gets like the crash cart thing. They never right. do correctly, but to me, they always do it the same way. I'm not sure if I've ever seen a movie where they leave the clothes on to do that. But, you know, especially since it's, I feel like it's usually probably a man or the woman's wearing a bra. So this was just surprising to see that she's just completely topless. I mean, a body's a body. You know, it's not sexualized, but I was still very surprised. I'd say it's pretty unsexualized. Yeah. Well, I could see where this would be uncomfortable to film, especially if it keeps going and there's fuck ups with the shots. And I could see where an actor would be like, I don't want to sit here anymore for this. This mm-hmm. is not. This is not oh, fun. yeah. Because it was like uh, Ed Harris's arm was in the way of her face in the first shot or something. Yeah. And then the second time they did the camera, like ran out of film or something like that. I wonder what the two of them thought of each other. I'm sure that the whole thing was just a nightmare for them. Yeah. Considering like how much time it took just to do things like having to go underwater, you know, like all day just to get a couple shots like that kind of thing. Well, the other thing, too, is so you mentioned uh, the Crichton-esque aspect mm-hmm. of it. I guess when he first wrote the script for this, it was all scientists. And then he was like, I don't think this will sell as well with an audience. It needs mm-hmm. to be more blue collar. <laughs> um, yeah. So she seemingly dies. And then it's the I feel like I've seen this not even parodied as much as it just ripped off basically the like you've never given up anything in your life like the person who doesn't want to stop and so they start like doing more compression or cpr you know whatever and then eventually the person oh they magically came you know they revive themselves i feel like it's like almost standard now that if you're going to do one of these scenes it has to seem like they're dead for a little while and then they come back you know i just kept thinking What's headcanon going to be like if I am like, hey, sorry, I haven't seen the last 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I stormed out. <laughs> I mean, how would her uh, her whole sternum not be seriously uh, crushed or whatever? Yeah. I, I, well, and again, I don't think it was till Buffy where I realized like that's very likely that you will crack the chest plate. Yeah. And quite possibly you should. To like really get, I don't there? want to give anyone any advice on uh, the proper CPR yeah, methods, but I'm, I'm pretty sure don't come that to us for CPR I'm advice. pretty sure that a lot of the stuff you see in movies, it's like, no, you shouldn't do that. You know, like Michael Scott says with the CPR dummy, should we? What's his quality of life? He has no arms and legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank God they they save her. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like that's a pretty emotionally intense scene for sure. Like it, it for sure like you really feel like you're watching someone die. And as I like, said to yeah. you, I thought there's a very real chance that she was going to die. Yeah. And I was very upset. So, yeah. So very relieved. And she didn't, they do get her back, but it's like, well, now what we're, we're stuck down here. You know, coffee's gone. So that, that thread is gone, but there's like a nuke on a timer, you know, a couple miles below them, basically, which I kind of appreciate because it's not like coffee was a super, fleshed out villain and so the idea i think is that he's got a crazy like marine mindset and he's also got the bend so that's why he's acting the way he is so i kind of am pleased that we didn't have to deal with him throughout more, the more end than of the we movie. needed to, yeah, yeah like like he seems like end of act two he should be gone end of act three obviously the, the nuke itself is the issue mm-hmm. so they've got to use their special uh liquid oxygen fluorocarbon whatever because the the pressure that deep like oxygen tanks won't won't do like they don't have the suit for it so they have to use the special stuff ed harris is going to go down there so what i missed was earlier he keeps referring to himself as a tool pusher and then i guess somehow he's like the best diver amongst them 
makes it. It makes sense. Okay. I mean, Anyways, was there like a line of like, dialogue that is, I missed? Is Hippie going to be the one to do it? Well, there's too much radiation. Yeah. He doesn't want his cock to fall. I mean, it's not, not going to be Hippie and it's not going to be Catfish. And I think Lindsay's like kind of been through the ringer and back. So she's probably not going to do it. So, I mean, like one night's like one night's like, no, no, you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> and the, uh, the one seal I think is like, he has like a broken leg or something. Okay. And so like it, I don't know. I feel like it's pretty much just up to him by default, you know? Hey, when it comes down to like uh super dangerous deep sea diving, that might be a one way trip age before beauty. Yeah. Oh, speaking <laughs> of super dangerous, I forgot this detail from the, uh, the trivia, the shot where catfish like gets a hold of like, the, uh, like machine gun or whatever just as um just as coffee's like leaving with the sub mm-hmm. you know right before the sub fight like co- uh catfish gets the machine gun and starts firing into the water yeah live rounds jesus fucking christ <laughs> why would you ever need to fire live rounds this movie's insane catfish devries is he the one with the beard yeah, he's he the one in, like the trucker hat. Yeah, the, the got, hammer guy. Yeah, he's got like uh, doesn't he have like a marine tattoo that you see at one point? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, he's got a I, he's I, got a tattoo. It's a heart with an arrow through it, and it says USMC. Yeah, yeah, but still, like it, it could very well have been. Him. <laughs> he's just like, no, man, our our dive suits are made for short people, and I'm yeah. too tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so they they make Ed Harris bring the pink their debris of the pink goo. We watch the one guy; he's just like, "Oh, excellent! This is my fetish. I love watching people breathe this in for the first time." Oh yeah, like a fucking Doctor Mengele of this pink goo. Um, you get the whole sequence of going down, down, down. Uh, you know, deeper and deeper into the trench. The like, problem with electronics are failing. He's got like a little keypad he can type into. They can text on. Yeah, yeah. like uh, the the effects of the pressure. I don't know if they're fully like communicated to you because he just like makes like this face like he's halfway between like a shit and a cum it works for me um at one point they're like you're deeper than anyone's ever gone yeah. and he text back like call guinness i like that yeah and it's interesting because like, he's he's doing some perfect like texting back at one point i was just like he should be like he, he fucks up after yeah, a while, later yeah. he starts like fucking up and i was like he sh- this should not be that good um and so she has to like talk to him because they can hear her and so she has to basically like take the blame for being a bitch in front of all their friends and coworkers to literally make her ex feel better as he's diving. And she has to talk about like she's she's always going to be there with him in the darkness, which I guess is, you know, it's the, it's the metaphor for their relationship or what have you. So I guess at the bottom, he like cuts the right wire. Um, and then he has this big heroic moment where he's just like, you know, I'm not going back up. When this is one way trip. I'm going to die. This is a one way ticket. I think I'll stay for a while. Yeah. Yeah. So then the aliens show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the, the, the underwater creatures. Yeah. I don't know that NTI is any better than, than extraterrestrial. UTI. <laughs> I didn't say UTI. I said, I said, I know. I'm UTI. just thinking underwater, you know, and there's a couple of UTIs. Yeah, so the the UTIs they uh, <laughs> they come upon him after he's disarmed the bomb and take him to their uh, their little their gun, Gungan their city. Gungan city. Yeah, <laughs> cool effects with the water like splitting, like yeah. it's all underwater, and then it like, splits in so parts. To, to they look like jellyfish, kind of ish. Sure, there's um 
there's a, a ridiculous sci-fi channel show I used to like called Farscape, and their pilot looks like their heads in this. But um, so the special edition ending is essentially like because on the top, on the surface, there's essentially a new Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh-huh. The U.S. Navy is doing something. The Russians show up. Both sides think it's the other. So it's implied in the special edition ending that the aliens are there to like fucking put well, people a, in their place. And, well, the aliens know that the, like you just send a nuke down here too. Yeah. You know, and it's like, there's like big tidal waves, like threatening all coasts. And, right. And but then the so, aliens are like, no, we just want to give you a warning. <laughs> well, so like they, they, he's just like, why, why, why are you doing this? And so they start playing him on their like water plasma TV screen. All of these like news footage of, of the people talking about the build up to war, how this is going out, and he's is just it, like he, I've been watching a while. Is it is it the full like twentieth century? Look at how horrible humans are. Like, do you get like Nazis yes. in there? Because well, he's like, how do you know that we would actually do uh-huh. this? And then they start playing a bunch of like it's like Vietnam, yeah, like yeah, children, soldiers, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that's one thing we don't talk about in these montages. There's always uh, some shots of child soldiers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's like, oh, okay, I guess we, we are pretty shitty. Why would we, why, why did you stop doing it then? And then they play back the text message that he sent that was just like, news is a one-way trip, going to stay for a while, love you, wife. And they're just like, thumbs up, bro, <laughs> love is sweet. It's like, we're just looking for a good romance, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's all forgiven. Well, so the special ending is basically the day the earth stood still, but, but splashy, mcsplashy. Um which I feel like these kind of endings have fallen out of fashion where the aliens show up and they're just like benevolent. Well, like we have superior firepower and that's why you should all work together <laughs> because I feel like now America's too stupid. Like in this era of like America, we'd be like, no, fuck you aliens. I saw uh, that Tim Burton movie, the name I forgot Mars attacks. <laughs> um, so, so on the, on the rig, they think that Ed Harris is dead. You know, it's been hours back on the radio. They finally gotten uh, communication with surface back because the hurricane just kind of blew itself out suddenly. The extras on that boat are hilarious. Like if you have a moment like beyond baby Chris Elliott, like look at all the other extras, especially as they're like, what's happening out the window? They're pretty funny. Basically, like the whole Gungan city just rises up. Doesn't look as good when it's like practical. Eh, you know what do you do it's 1989 it's like it's all lit up and it's beautiful underwater and yeah. then when it comes up it's like hey look we're pink plastic i guess it kind of makes sense you know like yeah. it wouldn't look as good above ground um i guess they wouldn't must look have, as good they above must have ground moved the, the rig because i'm always like like how do they get the rig like in the middle of the gungan city as they're racing it up rather you know yeah everything is now all the boats that are on the surface are now under the circumference of the ginormous fucking Most thing. of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they all like raise up. And there's one part, I don't know if it's in the regular or it's just a special, where one of the Navy ships, because the way it's shaped, looks like it's going to tip over because it's like a V. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, they're even they're even like, hey, how come we haven't had any we should pressure be issues? Yeah. And hand wave, oh, the aliens must have done something they, to us. They must have done something to us. Yeah, that is the hand waviest of hand waves. <laughs> because she's even talking about with the scene of the marines when they go down there it'll take us three weeks to decompress well it's like it's like eight hours before we can get off the sub uh-huh. onto the, the the rig we've just docked with but yeah three weeks to decompress to go up so the ending is which is funny Deus because like ex nautica you, you know that james cameron's like very 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 aware of what is involved in decompression because they're doing that every day yeah and yet at the end of the movie they're just like nah they're fine the aliens did something they don't have That's three cool. weeks yeah his obsession with the ocean is fascinating 
Like all of his like Titanic documentaries and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, his like he, I mean, speaking of the Deepwater Horizon, mm-hmm. you know, like the weird special technology that he'd built like to go down there. Oh, did he? Did, wasn't that a thing where it's like I while that kid. was happening, he was just like, "Hey assholes, like I have the thing you need." Oh, I just like, remember I Kevin had the Costner. technology. Kevin Costner had something. Was it Costner maybe? Maybe it I mean, I wouldn't too. be shocked yeah. if, if Cameron wrote in there too. Mm-hmm. He's like, "Everyone, I have paused production on Avatars 2 through 5, the safe, the golf. Why are they making four more Avatar movies? I really like James Cameron as a director. Avatar was, it was just, it was whatever. It was like, just go make other movies. Like, you're a good director. When you watched, They don't all need to be the biggest movie ever made. Just go make other cool movies. When you watched Alita, did that give you even more jazz for Avatar 2? Not really, no. <laughs> I don't need to see more weird blue people running around. Saving Ferngoli. Like So are they how does that work? Are they like jamming their ponytails into orifices? Is that how they're fucking? No, it's like they connect together. They just like rub ponytail like like ponytail frottage? No, they, they connect. Okay. You know. Okay. Like I'm trying to think of a cable that's uh like a male female cable thing. But it's but it's like that goes both ways or whatever, you know. Oh, it's a yeah. switch. They just plug into each other. I guess every day is either a really bad hair day or a really good hair day. Uh-huh. Uh, the one of the last shots of this movie, it's like the Virgil and Lindsay embracing and kissing, and it's like a wide shot. That's not them; it's just some extras. That's great. I mean, this movie it's it 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 is in many places very cornball. Like it, it ends with you know this this crazy thing has happened. They're all standing on the surface of Gunga City as it's like broken the you know the surface of the ocean. She sees him and runs over and everyone's laughing and cheering and she just like gives him a big long kiss and like that's the end of the movie. I guess we're lucky or they're lucky or somebody's fucking lucky that this movie did get finished and no one died and like didn't go like they're extremely lucky. Like the full like the full apocalypse now or like Coppola goes nuts for a little while though the shorter cut Cameron said this was entirely his choice. It wasn't like he was pressured or he had directors cut up to two hours and 15 minutes. But they let him do like the two thirty. Well, I think some of it was just the effects weren't done. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, the plastic wave. Yeah. He was just like, no. Um. All right. Anyways, that is the movie. Uh, any particular complaints other than the ones you touched on? Primarily, the the issues with women are are uncomfortable. Um, I would have liked some differentiation between some of the extra crew people. It's funny. Both of those are kind of my complaints. I think Lindsay is in a weird spot because she has to soften up to provide the emotional core of the movie, even though we're introduced to her as this like no nonsense type a person. Like I just, I don't know. I I don't think it totally works. Nicest type a person I've ever seen. Because we never really see her being, you know, what she's proclaimed to be basically, you know? And again, she is set up from the beginning to like seemingly to be the hero because he's just like oh i'm just a tool pusher like yeah. all i do is just order these guys around um and yeah the, the supporting cast i feel like you, you probably could have gotten some better actors i don't know or maybe these people came cheap cat like different looking actors like different looking from yeah. each other i don't know i just and at one point it's like i don't really know who's died i don't know like oh shit we lost so and so like he was our guy who did the thing Right, like, right. Okay. Yeah. I really didn't even know the one guy was the medic until he's just like, "Yeah, your buddy's in a coma." Look, man, I just patch holes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, make one change. 
Yeah, you're gonna hate me. Okay. L- less underwater stuff. Less, less on. Oh, jeez, get out! Just get out! Just turn off your mic and leave. Less underwater stuff. I just find it so boring. There's things in this movie underwater that were fine. Like you have to really be doing something. I'm glad we didn't watch all of the special edition. I. Hmm. So, anyways, to, to to touch upon his comment from earlier, one of his many derisive little comments was I was very curious where we were in the regular edition to where I left off an hour and a half into the special edition. And I had forgotten that I'd gotten to like one extra scene past where I initially thought we were. Because I was surprised at first because you paused it like like 40 minute mark. And I was like, that can't be, that can't be an hour and a half into the movie. Um, and then I got to the point where she's like, like uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, with the film. Taking photos? No, no. After she's oh, taking, developing Developing photos. the film. Yeah. yeah, thank you. And he's just like, you got to stop being hysterical on my rig. And I was like, yeah, that's where I turned it off. <laughs> I remember now. Yeah. Yeah, I might make one change. If I could just make one, you know, I'd have more than one. But um, I guess I would want to make Lieutenant Coffee a little bit less of a dick at first. I realize it's like very narratively convenient, but mm-hmm. I guess it would seem a little more interesting to me if he... If we didn't immediately hate him, let's put it that way, you know. Can I also? And then my my one A to that would be like, if Lindsay is supposed to be somebody that everyone hates, show us why, you know. Um, I think they did. She wears high heels and she has long hair and she might have lady parts. That's why Chris I mean, Elliott hates the her. The movie isn't communicating that intentionally, you know. I want to go back and look and see where is this in Chris Elliott's career because he's such a weird. He's a very weird guy. He's because yeah. he's on like Shit's Creek, and I I just think like what what's next for for Chris Elliott? What a strange career. What's next for Chris <laughs> Elliott? Um, dying. Uh, my my one C to yours would be the number of cuts that he places upon his arm. Like later, I want to see that arm just bright red, <laughs> just like wet with blood, because he's not cutting it a little bit like he's like getting in there long cuts i think when i was young i assumed that he was like i don't know like letting the bad oxygen escape or something really like that. i just like oh yeah that's how it works i'll give him the benefit of the doubt yeah, yeah. just, gotta, you, just, just gotta little, cut some seams you know some light bleeding yeah get the <laughs> ill humors out uh power rankings i got 10 i have 10 and i think you'll hate them okay cool why will i hate them i guess, I guess we'll find, find out. out yeah number 10 i've got the ntis Oh, I should put them on there, but I don't. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is uh, whichever of the Marines is obsessed with making people suffer through breathable liquid. Oh, the guy, medic? That guy? Well, I think it won't shock you to know that that guy's higher on my list. <laughs> He's like your number two. Number nine, I just have like all the other oil workers who die. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Uh, number nine, I've got Chris Elliott when he says in a classic Chris Elliott fashion, here comes the queen bitch of the universe. <laughs> like, okay. I feel like I would despise him even more if it wasn't Chris Elliott, too. He didn't even make my list. Wow. Yeah, sorry, Chris. Cabin Elliott. boy himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number eight, I have, uh, I can't remember this guy's name. It's a weird name, but the, the one good seal medic, um, the guy who's... Uh, Helping them, the one with the uh, the liquid oxygen, yeah, all, all that guy. Okay, uh, number eight, I've got Dick Warlock because his name is Dick Warlock. What a name! Yeah, I've got Hippie at number seven. I really like Hippie. 
I feel like as a kid, I probably liked him more because he seemed like kind of like cool and nerdy or whatever. But like he felt like like, he was your proxy. He annoyed me in this. He's uh, he's Andrew from Buffy. A little bit. Uh, Number seven, I have the rat. Seven A would be hippie. Um, Because, yeah, you have to be real odious for me to be like, you got to understand. I care more about your fucking rat. The rat did go through cardiac arrest during that scene. But James Cameron did CPR and he kept him as a pet. Uh, it turns out the rat died just before the premiere of the movie. <laughs> that's true. Or at least that's the story they told. I know there's an hour long documentary about the making of this movie, which would be fascinating I think to watch. The making of this movie, like if they if they really had all the footage, book. this would be a really fascinating documentary. Yeah. Um but that you but let's all let's all get settled. That story is bullshit. <laughs> He did not save the fucking rat. He did CPR on it, man. Like later on at the premiere, if he's just like holding up like one of the rat's legs is like his new keychain. Yeah. Um, Where are we at? Number six? Yeah, you're going to hate this. Oh, you go. What's your oh, number six? Yeah, yeah. Because your seven was a rat, right? Yeah. Okay. My number six is One Night. Okay. I, I've had to give One Night a slight demerit. She did have a chance to disconnect that cable and she couldn't get it done. Mm, mm. Granted, it wasn't the greatest of uh, circumstances, you know? Mm. This is where we start to diverge. My number six is Michael Bean has the crazy Marine with the mustache and the bends. <laughs> what a mustache. Yeah. I, at one point I'm not kidding. I thought it was bigger than it had been. My number five is jammer. Okay. Comes through in the clutch because we see so little of him before that. It's hard to say whether or not he like, cause you, you get a real uh, George and Lenny vibe from him. Yep. And I don't know if he was always that way or not. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see him enough. Yeah. My number five is a character named Lisa One Night Standing. I can't believe I forgot about the country music sing along. I don't know why, but I fucking love that scene. That's a scene that I should hate. Because I, I, I like couldn't anything with country music. I just couldn't include. I'm not a country music fan myself, but I it was it just worked. It was so wholesome. Like, I think that this, the tiny dancer scene in that one movie is so flat. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, the it's so famous. flat. Yeah. So I always kind of hate that. But I was like, you know what? Twenty minutes into this movie, it's ridiculous. I'm kind of enjoying this. Things I'm generally not into in movies. The uh, everybody starts singing along to a song. Mm. Also, the uh, this happens in so many movies. The move where it's like two characters are looking at each other and something intense just happened, and one of them just starts laughing, and the other starts laughing, and they're both just laughing at each other. That never works for me, like ever. The sequence. I feel like I see it mostly in Cameron Crowe movies where the thing is happening at the moment. It's like the big emotional turning. We're all going to like go over attention. And it's like just a bunch of like uh, medium shots of people in different parts of the thing. Like just looking at each other and being like, yeah, mm-hmm. just like nodding their head. Like, yeah, we're all in the same wavelength now. Number four, I've got Catfish DeVries or DeVries. Okay. Um, yeah, he was there. He, I guess he came through in the clutch too. Yeah. He showed up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, number four. swimming around in his boxers, man. Yeah, number four, I have Ed Harris as Virgil Bud Brigman. Before you talk about Ed Harris, one more comment, real quick on Catfish. They have him in like this bright yellow shirt the whole time, mm-hmm. which I think really helps. You're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if they well, could have done a little more with that. Like one, like you know, like if uh, the hippie character had like long blonde hair and like always had a tie dye shirt on or something like that. You know, just something. So it's like easy to tell you know who we're looking at constantly Uh, also the trucker hat yeah yeah ed harris go ed harris i mean there's a weird 
salt of the earth sexuality to Ed Harris? I don't know. He's a weird guy. Is this the youngest we've seen Ed Harris in anything? I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm sure he was in stuff before this. I don't know if I've seen him in any of the stuff before this. So I, I would be shocked if I if I watch a movie where Ed Harris is just like long flowing hair. But I mean, he's an actor who I think his weird face with lines and like skin that seems like it wants to retreat off of a, his skull only served him better as he got older. Like he's great in Westworld. Let's see here. Rockford Files. Yeah, this isn't much in his like earlier work here. Which means I would have seen him in an episode of that and totally forgotten. Paris, Knight Riders, Chips, Dream On. Oh shit, young Ed oh, Harris. He's in the right. Hair. He's a John Glenn in the right stuff. Okay. He's got like super platinum blonde hair. Oh, here. Oh, and the screen cap in the Rockford Files. He's driving Jim Rockford, and the wind is just blowing through that hair. And he's like, that was the days. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Where am I at? Number three? Yeah. I have uh, Bud Brigman. Virgil. Okay. He's I, an interesting everyman kind of underwater action hero. He's a little like, I feel like his accent's a little toned up at the beginning and it kind of goes away after a while. I wonder if they film this in sequence or not, you know? Um, That's a good point. He's got his fucking Yankees hat on. That would be especially infuriating for Michael Bean, I would think. Explain why he's there for seven months and yeah. filming for three weeks. Well, I think a lot of it was just like training. I thought I read that they only did like a week of training. I know they all went to dive school. Yeah, I thought they did like a week of dive school. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what's your number three? Uh, I will pencil in the NTIs here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Who'd you cut? Nobody. Okay. Uh, my number two, Lindsay Brigman. You're going to piss me off. I probably am, yeah. Lindsay was great in this movie. I, I really appreciated her in completely badass, like, super brave plan of, like, all drown. I trust you to revive me. Like, that's pretty hardcore. It kind of makes me think about the career that could have been Mary Elizabeth Mastertonio's. I mean, she was made Marion. And then what? Well, let me go look. No, she's definitely been in a bunch of other stuff. I, I feel like I talked about this before, but I feel like Julianne Margulies like, must love her as like a hair idol. So she was in White Sands. That's something I was thinking of. I kept thinking of uh, the Sean Young movie, but no, White Sands is the other movie she's in. Um, oh, yeah. We have Mary Elizabeth Master, Master Antonio. Like, what do we need Sean Young for? Yeah. No, what's the uh, Kevin Costner? No Way Out. I always confuse No Way Out and White Sands. Ah. Because um, I was like, I know she wasn't in No Way Out. So she did. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Sean Young was in No Way Out. Sean Young's okay. in No Way Out. She's in White Sands. They didn't like pair up. She's in The Perfect Storm. Yeah. I don't think I saw that. You never saw The Perfect Storm? Another boat movie. It's like natural disaster movies. No, didn't we see that together? No. Are you sure? Pretty sure we didn't. Or it's like Clooney, like he's going to swim away and then he just goes back up into the... Yeah. That, no? that. A lot of times, um, biopics, especially about natural disasters, don't hmm. interest me. Hmm. No, she like uh, she's been in a ton of stuff. She's on like Grimm. She's on The Punisher, apparently. The the show. Jesus. Yeah, uh, she's on Blind Spot, Limitless. So some just run of the mill shitty TV shows now. Eh, she's getting work, you know. They're lucky to have her. Yeah. There. Oh, she was in. I know she was in something I saw not long ago. I take that back. But I mean, I feel like God, what was I? What was I seeing her in? I feel like there's a career that she should have had. Like, there's no reason she couldn't have had 
whatever slim pickings of action movies we were giving to women. There's no reason she couldn't have been like a Sigourney Weaver in some roles. Um, she could absolutely do what Linda Hamilton does. Yeah. Um, what are we at? Number two? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I have nothing. Oh no. Okay. So what's your number one then? Cause you already, you put the NTIs in there. Right. But my NTIs at number three, my number one is Mary Lou with Master Antonio. It's Dr. Lindsay Brickman. Mm-hmm. She is fucking fantastic. She's, Unrelated to everything, was, she's adorable. Was you putting like a number two empty, some sort of statement? Yes, on it was. It your was feeling on the rest of the I characters. I wanted two and three to be completely empty and devoid mm. away from her because she is. You, know, you, you make you make your gestures. You make uh-huh. your lewd, quite, quite frankly, offensive gestures. Oh, yeah, you're offended. <laughs> she was great in this movie. I loved her. She gets no support. Like you said, she's she shows up and she's like, "I'm here to protect my rig. Maybe I care about my dumb ex husband." And they're like, oh, what a goddamn bitch. And it's just like, where is this coming from at all? And you had the extended cut, which I've seen, you know, a long time ago, not recently. There's no extra, nothing extra there to really paint that picture. No, no. She goes from talking with somebody very briefly on the ship. She calls him a wiener at one point. They're talking very briefly on the ship above, you know, on the surface. And then they're in the thing. And it's pretty much the same stuff going down with the the marines and i don't remember if there's the whole thing where if it's extended where she's like talking with with bud and he's just like i think you're worried about me and it's just like she's clearly not (laughs) well my number one it surprised me because i used to hate this character but i I was just really impressed with this performance this time around it's uh, lieutenant coffee i never really noticed it before because i hate the character so much but i do think he's doing a really good job of portraying a kind of fear and panic Mm. like it's definitely there in the performance like where he's like yes he's a huge dick and i think it would have been better if he wasn't such a huge dick but he's he's a huge asshole but also you can see how scared he is uh as he's like losing his grip more and more and i think the the performance sells that more than the movie really like more than the script gives credit for you know he's definitely committing yeah um and and I don't know. It's interesting whenever whenever like the the emotion you have to play is crazy. I kind of wonder if that's easier for an actor to commit to than other emotions. Because again, we talk about like Brad Pitt, you know, like in, in 12 Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um and he really he really takes it big. Or like Tom Cruise, the one thing Tom Cruise is good at is being intense to the point where like he's a maniac. So, yeah, I mean, he's good. It would make me interested if if that character, rather than just being like an asshole, was maybe just like inexperienced and nervous from the get go. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't know. I feel like there's probably different ways they could have constructed him so that I don't know. We didn't just purely hate him. You know, yeah. Because I think Michael Bean is playing it with more care than what the script is giving him. You know, mm-hmm. but all in all. Fun movie. Would you recommend? Yeah, sure. It wasn't it wasn't bad. It was a fine movie. I didn't love it, but you know, at this point, if I'd seen it as a kid, maybe I'd be like you. I don't know. I want to say I was over at your house in high school at one point, and you had gotten you had rented the special edition, and you were like, Hey, let's watch this. I love this movie. And I was like, no, I was just like, oh, 
No, I think you watched your movie and you didn't care. Didn't okay. have a second thought about me. You were just like, I've got. What were you doing this whole time? I think I was just like hanging out in your pool. I think we had some people over. I think like Anthony came over. Huh. Okay. Yeah. So we were all hanging out and you were watching the abyss. Whatever. Go go have fun <laughs> in the pool. All are watching the abyss. <laughs> I'll be having the real aquatic adventure here in my living room. Uh-huh. And then I remember like you coming out and like you were just like, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that sounds right. Well, that is the end of the abyss. I guess your turn. Yeah. What do you have for us? I got a hanker. I told you last week. I want to watch uh, Joe versus the volcano. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I don't think you'll complain too much. It really feels like we've done that movie, but I guess we haven't. But you asked you you had said to me when I suggested sneakers because I was like I don't know what to do in 2020. Why don't we start off a movie we love? And you're like, didn't we cover sneakers? It's like I think you'd be surprised at how few movies we probably have covered. There's a movie that got recommended to us recently. I'm trying to remember where it was now, but it would have been a good one as well. Somebody uh, recommended um, like Mel Brooks movies to us. I I don't know. Do you feel? I feel like comedies are harder on this. Comedies podcast. are harder, especially pure comedies, yeah. because we can poorly deliver the funny lines. Basically, well, know? but also I don't know if it's as interesting. And I know I hate it in other podcasts when people explain the jokes. Especially when the jokes are meant to be absurdist. Mm-hmm. That's frustrating to me. Um, so yeah, I, I figured unless you have a better suggestion, I thought it's been a while yeah. since I've seen Joe versus the Volcano. We'll go ahead and call this one your turn. We'll go and call it my turn. Mm-hmm. I don't know when we'll do that. A couple weeks maybe. We'll uh-huh. see. Yeah. But uh, yeah, until then, have a good one. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye.